All right, and all God's people said amen. amen. All right, thank you for the good singing and the worship this morning. It's good to be back home again. Missed you guys last Sunday. I uh, appreciate Brother Stan filling in for me Sunday and uh, always appreciate his love to uh, preach and to share. And so uh, glad he did that for us as well. We, uh, Jack and I made a little trip to <clears throat> the area where I'm from and uh, went to a family reunion. Hadn't been to one in years. And so I got to thinking as this uh, reunion approached, if I don't go now, some of them I might not see uh, between here and eternity. So I better go if I want to see some of them and <clears throat> have a visit with them. So we did that. And it was really a great time to spend and reacquaint with family and what's going on with them. Also, but we certainly miss you guys so much. Thank you for your prayers and for praying for us while we were gone, our safety. And we always appreciate that so very much. You know, when you think about what we do for each other, uh, I really believe that prayer is the greatest thing that we can do for each other. It really is to take time, make the time to sit before the Lord and to intercede for others or bring our own requests before the Lord because. Uh, that's, um, uh, it, it really invokes God into our circumstances and our situation. I want to invite you to turn with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And as you turn there, one of the things that Paul begins to close this letter to the Thessalonican church is, is with a request for prayer. Uh, Paul says in this very uh, chapter in verse 1, he says, Finally, brethren, pray for us. What an amazing request, isn't it, to ask someone to pray for you. How many times have you done that in your own life? Have you came to someone and there was a need that you had or something that was heavy on your heart? And so you just ask someone that you had confidence in, someone that you know would pray for you, and you just had that simple request, would you pray for me? Uh, would you take the time to lift me up to the Lord as uh, I'm going through these circumstances. What a tremendous request. You know, prayer is so vital to our, our life as believers. It's irreplaceable. Uh, so much today of our prayer time certainly should be and often is focused on our nation. Billy Graham said about prayer, he says, to get a nation on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. And that's where we are, isn't it, as a nation, as citizens of this great nation. That if we're ever going to see God lift up America, we're going to have to bow before Him and begin to pray and seek God for uh, our nation, for the direction of our nation. And so it's important that we lift our, our nation up. You know, F.B. Meyer said this about prayer. He said, the greatest tragedy of life is not an answered prayer, but it's unoffered prayer. So often we just don't pray, do we? We just don't ask God for those things that we need. James says you have not because you ask not. And so we need to ask God for those things. You see that unoffered prayer really gets us nowhere in the economy of God. Ian Bounds, a great author about prayer, had this to say about praying. He says our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with our energy that never tires of persistency which will not be denied, and a courage which never fails. We have to be consistent, persistent in our prayer life as we bring these needs to the Lord in prayer. Jesus said not only just to knock. He didn't say knock one time, 
in prayer, but he says, keep on knocking. That's God's desire for us. God changes us as we persist in our prayer life. It's those times that we come before God and we've got it all figured out. We just want God to bless it, right? And so we say, Lord, here's my plan. So take my plan and bless my plan. But all of a sudden that doesn't happen, does it? And so we get a little bit more anxious, a little bit more desperate. And so we begin to pray. And all of a sudden, before long, if we prayed over something long enough, we find out that God changes our, our heart and even our thoughts about how we're praying, what we're praying for. But we have to persist to get to that place where God wants us to be. <clears throat> and my all-time favorite quote about prayer is pretty lengthy, but it comes from a guy by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. Uh, Dr. Ravenhill was a great pastor and evangelist in his time. But listen to what he says about prayer. He says, No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor is not praying, is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players, but few prayers. Few, <clears throat> many singers, but few clingers. Lots of pastors, but few wrestlers. Many fears, but few tears. Much fashion, but little passion. Many in fear, <coughs> excuse me, interferers, but few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. In the matter of the New Testament, spirit-inspired, hell-shaking, world-breaking prayer, never has so much been left to so many, to so few. For this kind of prayer, that is, there's no substitute. We do it or die. Listen to what Paul says with this thought in mind. Pray for Garrison Baptist Church. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men... For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Pray with me if you would this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer this morning. Thank you, God, that in our weakness we can approach your strength. That in our confusion, Lord, we can find certainty in you. Father, thank you for the access that we have to your throne of grace. That through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through his shed blood, that we're called to come to you with absolute confidence, with a certainty that you'll hear and respond to those needs, uh, just like a child approaches his father. Lord, we're praying this morning that you'll just show us that the effectiveness of prayer, praying for Garrison Baptist Church, praying for our church family and for the work that you've set us in this community to do. Lord, I just pray now and ask you to open our minds and hearts and help us to realize the power that we have in prayer. Father, we're just praying this morning again that you would instill in us and press on our hearts these truths in the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen.
You know, as you think about what Paul says about prayer, if you'll look with me this morning, first of all, he begins and he asks them, he says, finally, brethren, pray for us. Paul's desire is that the, the believers there would offer up prayers to the Lord on his behalf and those that were traveling with him. You see, some, one of the things that Paul asks for here in verse 1, he says, while you're praying for me, remember Paul's um, work and what his ministry was. It was one kind of a missionary, wasn't it? Church, Paul was a church planner. And everywhere he went, he would start a new church and he would begin a new work. And so what Paul was asking was related to the work of God. What he was asking this church to do for him was to intercede on his behalf, on their behalf, his mission team's behalf, as they went around and as they served in the kingdom of God. Now listen to some of the things that Paul asked. And I want to ask you to consider about being regular and faithful in praying these things for our church here at Garrison. First of all, uh, pray for the proclamation of God's Word. In other words, that God's Word goes out and, and so that the world can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul says in verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is just as it is with you. And so Paul's request is for the proclamation of the word of God, that it go out and that it go forward. Uh, l- listen to some of the things that he says. First of all, he reminds us in verse 1 that one of the reasons that it's so important that the proclamation of the word of God go forward is because of the, the authority of the word. He says, this is the word of the Lord. It's not some unnecessary message. You see, this is God's word. The word going forward really is our major assignment as a church here at Garrison. It's the reason that we exist. Jesus told the church universal to go therefore and make disciples. He says, teaching them whatsoever I've commanded you. And so the proclamation of the Word of God in this church or any church is foundational to the work that God has called us in His kingdom. We can't get around. Nothing substitutes for the preaching, the teaching, the living example of the Word of God in the life of a church. And so, why? Because it's authoritative in life. Uh, It it has meaning, not just meaning, but it has the greatest meaning in life today. You see, it's the message that saves, isn't it? When we talk about proclaiming the Word of God. Uh, James says it like this, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word of God which is able to save your soul. So the, the Word is authoritative when it comes to salvation. You and I, we don't get into the kingdom of God unless we hear the Word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why it's so important that we teach each other, that we teach our children, our youth, the things of the Word of God. Because it has authority for their lives. It's the very message of salvation. It's the message that secures us in life, isn't it? The promises of God. We can build a solid life on the promises of God. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says this in the scripture. He says, In Him we also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. So 
The Bible reminds us that once we receive the Lord Jesus Christ by hearing this message of the gospel is that God does this work of securing our lives. You see, the Word of God is so important to give us a, a stable, secure life. You know, if we have our ears open today, how many different messages do we hear about faith? Or how many messages do we hear against faith? We're hearing all kinds of voices in our culture today, but yet what gives us that stability and security is the Word of God. We can build our lives on that solid rock. It secures us. It gives us a go-to place for the answers that we need. It gives us a hope that exceeds our circumstances. It gives us promises that are so strong and so powerful that they can preserve us through the hardest times of life. It secures us. Well, not only authoritative in that sense, but also it's a message that really sustains us in those things. Uh, The book of Hebrews, chapter 1, the writer begins to kind of give a, a definition or a description of who Jesus Christ is. And he gives that definition or description in comparison to God because Jesus is God. And here's what he says. But in that statement, he also reminds us of who sustains us. He says, who being in the likeness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down to the right hand of the majesty on high. What the scripture reminds us that that same word sustains us in life today. By the power of the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are sustained in our lives. So it has authority. You see, we proclaim the Word of God here at Garrison Baptist Church because we believe that that Word has authority. Has authority. It should have authority over our lives. Another thing that he asked in this prayer for proclamation is the activity of the Word. Uh, He says in in verse 1 again, that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. It's pretty neat, isn't it? Now, (laughs) what what does he mean by that? You know, is he talking about somebody in a race? Look, if if you guys were dependent on me to run swiftly with the word of God, you'd be in trouble. Because no time, I'd I'd be wheezing. (laughs) But, But the idea is that that, that it, it simply goes forward unimpeded, uh, without opposition. That, that it, it, it's like a river racing down a hill, you know. It's all the obstacles taken out of the way. It's all those logs and things and trash that gets jammed up. You ever seen that in the creek before? And all of a sudden you start pulling all that stuff away and boy, there it goes. Unimpeded. So Paul is saying, really, what, would you pray for us that as we share the word that, that people won't try to stop that word? That there won't be obstacles to it? That, that it'll flow? That it will be quick and immediate and effective in people's lives? The word will accomplish God's purpose and fulfill its course. That's what Paul is asking for. Would you pray for our church? Would you please pray as we share the word? That as that word goes forward, that it'll accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. That it'll be unimpeded. 
and how it travels to the heart and the resistance to the Word of God uh, will be minimized. That's what we want to see happen. The opportunities that we have to share the Word. He goes on also in this same request in verse 1 about the proclamation of the Word of God. He really then asked him to pray for our attitude toward the Word. Our believers, Christians' attitude toward the Word. You say, Brother Mike, can, can we have an attitude toward the Word? Are you kidding me? Hey, look, we can have an attitude about everything. Right? And certainly we can have an attitude about the Word of God. And so what Paul's asking then, pray for our attitude toward the Word of God. Listen to what he says in verse 1. He says, and be glorified just as it is with you. What is Paul asking for? Pray that the word of God will be glorified. That we'll be lifting up the word of God. That we'll be excited about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That that it won't be a, a chore or something that we dread. But it'll be something that we look forward to. That's the first thing that comes to our mind. When we're talking to someone. And so it's our attitude, isn't it? And be glorified just as it is with you. You know, Paul reminds them the effect that the Word had on this group of believers. Look back with me just for a minute, back in 1 Thessalonians, and and listen to what he says about how the Word came to them and how they received the Word. Uh, This is what he was reminding them of. uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, at verse 5, he says, uh, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you. Paul reminds him, you know how it was when you heard the word of God? That you received, it came with power. It, it came with radical change. So much so that he goes on to tell them that you turn from idols and false gods to believe in the true and the living God. You see, the Word was glorified in their lives. Their lives were changed radically by the message of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to be praying for. Is Lord, give us an enthusiasm about the Word of God so that when we share it, that it will be effective in people's lives to transform their lives. How, How exciting that is, isn't it? To know that God has the power to do that. Paul reminds them of that effect that the Word of God had on them. So what does he do? He says, pray for the proclamation of God's Word. Well, he had a second prayer request as well. Not only, hey, part one is pray for the proclamation of the Word of God. But, but he also asked them to pray for the protection of God's workers. Pray for each other. Pray for each other's safety. Pray for each other and lift each other up. Why did he ask for that kind of prayer? Well, look at verse 2. Uh, He says in verse 2, And that they may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. So what's Paul praying for? He says, pray for us that we, if we fall into this, that we'll be delivered. You see, he's saying pray in spiritual attack. Pray for the church when it's under spiritual attack. Now, when does that happen? All the time. All the time. So that's why I would say the, uh, another place, pray without ceasing. Because the church is constantly under spiritual attack. 
Uh, and so he asked for prayer. He says uh, to, to these believers uh, that, uh, that, that they be delivered. The history of Christianity is written in the blood of martyrs, isn't it? Beginning with the apostles themselves. Persecution is inevitable. Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, then they'll persecute you. We're not going to be exempt from persecution. But the answer for that is not to give up or not to hide somewhere or not to quit. But the answer is to pray. Pray that in those times of spiritual attack, that, that we're lifting each other up so that we'll persevere through that attack. Pray for each other. How many of you don't want to be prayed for for spiritual attack? Okay. Good. So he says, pray. Pray in those times. He says, not only from spiritual attack, but also from severe spiritual attack. He goes on in in verse 2, and he kind of amplifies it. From unreasonable and wicked men. Who for not all have faith. It's the severity sometimes of our persecution that really drives us to our knees to pray. We look at other nations around the world and we say, oh, wow, look at those guys in, in, in Muslim nations that are witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're losing their life. They're being killed. They're being persecuted. But listen, there's not a country on the face of this earth that's not being persecuted for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not exempt as Americans either. We think that America, we shouldn't face persecution because we have freedom of religion. Are, are, are you surely you don't believe that, right? Because persecution we face every single day. It's in our institutions as a nation. It's in our there's there's political persecution that's that's woven into the policies that our government passes. So many laws that's been passed in our nation. And in recent history, that really defile and defy being a Christian. How can you be obedient to certain things and call yourself a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? How how can we take the Word of God in its simple truth and be obedient to it and not be a lawbreaker today? Because it's wound up in the policies of our institution of government. If that's not enough, look at our college campuses today. Wow. So much hatred for believers. So much opposition. So many lies and deceits and untruths that are being taught on our college campuses that absolutely are are seeking to destroy faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to know what we believe and believe what we know. We have to have those truths instilled in us. It, it's, it's saturated our, our college campuses for the most part. And, and, and yet we have to stand and, and, and face that. It's in our public schools, our secondary schools, isn't it? I mean, it's beginning to creep even deeper and deeper in, in the good old Southland in our schools and school systems. Where we thought at one time here in the Bible Belt, we'd be forever protected from that. But we're not. We're not. It's coming 
to us rapidly today. It's in our workplaces. It's bound up in your work policies and your guidelines and your employee handbook that so many things that you're forced to do on the job is conflicting with your faith in Jesus Christ. Wound up in the institutional workplace. You know, there's a lot said today in America about institutional racism. Let me tell you what we need to be worried about is institutional persecution of the church. Because it's happening today. And so what does Paul say? He doesn't say run. He doesn't say give up. But he says pray. Pray for each other. We have to do this. We don't have any options anymore. But we have to pray for each other. That as these attacks come, as this persecution of of those who are serving in the kingdom of God begin to happen, that we can stand strong and tall and not shrink back from our faith and our beliefs in what the Bible says that a believer ought to be. So Paul says, you know what? Pray. Pray for me. As a worker in the kingdom of God. That I'll be faithful. That you'll be faithful. To what God has called us to. And then finally Paul has one last prayer request. He says pray for the preparation of God's witnesses. In other words he's saying. Pray that we'll be ready. Pray that God will get us ready. For for this great thing that's ahead of us. It's exciting isn't it? Uh, The older I get, the more excited I get because I know the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is closer than it's ever been before. And because of that, we have to be prepared for that and prepared for all that's going to happen in in the in-between. And and so Paul says to these guys, he says in verse 1 about this preparation, praying for the preparation of God's witnesses. Look at verse 3. He talks about a confidence in the Lord. He's saying, pray that that we'll have confidence in the Lord. How are we going to get through this thing if we don't have confidence in the Lord? How are we going to stand in the storm of persecution if we don't have confidence in what the Lord says? Listen to what Paul writes here. He says, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you. Paul says, look, he's faithful. Don't worry about him. He'll be fine. But he says... Trust Him so that He'll establish you and that He will guard you. You see, Paul says, God's fine, it's you and I that need to work. We need confidence in the Lord. We will not escape this without our faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. That He has a plan. That He's working out this plan. That I'm a part of his plan that he's using me in his plan and that he'll take care of me I have to be confident in what God reveals in, in his word about the truth and so, listen quite often that truth conflicts with our culture today but yet whose side are you on Joshua said it's for me and my house I will serve the Lord. That's having confidence in Him. Oh, it's real. It's easy. 
to have that confidence when everything's okay. There's no pressure. Uh, there's no resistance, opposition. We can trust them all day long. Listen, that's not the reality now. We have to have confidence in the Lord. Look at verse 4. Not only in that preparation do we need confidence in the Lord, but also we need compliance to the Lord. Don't we? He says, now may the Lord direct your hearts. Uh, uh, Paul's saying, listen, would you pray for me that God will guide me? That's what he's saying, isn't it? The Lord will direct your hearts. One of the greatest things that we can do for each other is that we can pray, Lord, would you, would you guide them? Would you open their minds and reveal your truth and would you guide them? Look, I'm not afraid of the direction that God wants me to go in as long as I know what that direction is. I don't mind to go in the face of persecution as long as I know where the path is. And so what Paul's asking them for is, Lord, would you, would, would you help bring my heart into compliance? Show me. Let me follow you. Uh, let me pursue you. I had two older brothers, and a lot of times we would uh, have uh, brotherly disagreements. Any of you guys ever have uh, disagreements with your uh, siblings? I don't know. Maybe you did. Uh, hallelujah if you did. <laughs> but we, we did. And sometimes it got physical. <laughs> and, and, but yet I know outside of my family that my two older brothers would go before me when it came to anybody else trying to hurt me. That's our God. He'll go before us. And He does, and He makes the way. But what He calls us to do is to follow Him. Follow Him in that way. Compliance to His will. Uh, He says, and we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you will do the things we command you. You see, that's compliance, isn't it? That's obedience to God. If we're obedient to God, He'll take care of us. And we have that assurance. And then finally, Paul goes on and, and he talks about compassion, in a sense, for the lost. He says in verse 5, he says, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Well, what's he talking about here? He, he's, talking about, he's talking about love, isn't he? He's talking about that love that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the kind of love that he's talking, talking about. Now, why are we here? Why are we facing this opposition? Why do we go through this persecution? So that we might have the opportunity to tell someone else who does not know Jesus Christ that God loves you. And that He demonstrated His own love toward you. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's it's the perseverance is all about the passion for lost people. About the opportunity that God gives us. To tell someone else about a salvation that we don't deserve, but yet we've received by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Leonard Ravenhill also said this about prayer. 
He says, prayer is profoundly simple and simply profound. So, let's pray. Bow with me if you would. Father, again, we thank you for the loving challenge that you place on our hearts as your children to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and to seek him in prayer and pray for each other and lift each other up. Lord, thank you that we have that privilege because Jesus Christ, our Savior, came from heaven to this earth, offered his life as a ransom for our sins, shed his own precious, amazing blood so that when we put our faith in him, we can be completely and fully forgiven of all of our sins simply because he loves us. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would increase in us that desire to want to be prayerful, to see the great value and the great need that we have to pray for one another. And to lift each other up. And Father, that prayer is just access to your throne. It's bringing the things that are too hard for us to the one who, who can do all things. It's casting our cares on you for you care for us. You see, when we pray, instead of us doing the worrying, we let you worry for us. And so I just pray, Father, that uh, you would give us a hunger to be with you in prayer. In Jesus' name, I ask it. Amen. I'm going to invite you this morning, if you would, to stand. Let's stand together. Uh, you know, uh, God is, is so amazingly good to us. And He's always available to meet us wherever our need is or whatever we might be facing, struggling with today. God, He's there. He hears our, our voice. He listens to our heart and He steps into to our life and to our needs and He begins to work. Why did God choose prayer to be so important? The kingdom of God, I don't know, but I just know it is. That He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to come to Him for others, for the church, for His work. So maybe you're here this morning and you're carrying this heavy, heavy weight. You really don't have to do that. You can really share that, give that burden to God in prayer. Uh, That burden may be for someone you deeply love and care about. You can come on their behalf and lift them up as well. You know, uh, God, God gave me this, this thought uh, a long time ago that as we pray for someone, that we may be the only person in the whole world that's praying for that person. You may be their one link to, to God and His throne of grace. So let me just say to you, pray. We're going to Give a time of invitation today. It might be time that you come and pray and invite Jesus Christ into your heart to be your personal Savior. To trust Him with your eternal life. To make that decision to turn and to follow Him. 
and let him lead you in your life today. That may be your prayer. I'll be up front. I'd love to share with you just a few verses of scripture, how you can know him and trust him as your personal savior. But listen, there may be someone else, something else on your mind and in your heart today that you just feel this strong need right now. I need to come. During that invitation, I I need to just come this morning. I need to pray for Garrison Baptist Church. Uh, I I need to pray for my family. Uh, I I need to pray for my country. But I just feel a strong, compelling need to come and pray. So I want to invite you. Would you do that this morning as we have this time of invitation?